Hi, I'm Mark. Thank you for joining me on Words of Truth today. Appreciate you coming along. Doubt is something that everyone and every Christian struggles with, but it's something that we don't like to talk about very much for fear that somebody will accuse us of not trusting God or worse, maybe even not being saved at all. You struggle with doubt? I know I do. We struggle with that over a lot of different things, don't we? Sometimes when we're going through a troubling time, we'll doubt whether God loves us or not. We might doubt ourselves after losing a job. We might have doubt while we're waiting for something to happen. Well, wondering if it'll ever happen. And although all of us struggle with doubt from time to time, I think it's something that we have to work at getting rid of as soon as it enters our minds. Now, let me explain to you what I mean about doubt. <clears throat> In the Bible, doubt isn't synonymous with unbelief. No, for example, in the Old Testament, when the angel told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child in their old age, Genesis 18 says that Sarah laughed. Well, she laughed because she was an old lady beyond the childbearing years, and so her laughter was one of unbelief, and she was reprimanded for her unbelief. But then in Genesis chapter 21, verse 6, after Sarah gave birth to Isaac, the Bible says, And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And this time, her laughter was an emotional response. So in a play on words, she gives all the credit for the birth of her son to the Lord when she said, He has made laughter for me. And she says that everyone who hears about her story will also laugh but not at her, but with her. It's a laughter of joy, not doubt. And, and the name she gave her son, Isaac, well, it means laughter. And so Sarah gives, gives us a picture of doubt at the beginning and a picture of joy at the end, but the doubt wasn't an unbelief in God. It was kind of an unbelief about her circumstances. Paul gives us another, or Peter rather, gives us another picture of doubt in, uh, in Matthew chapter 14. It's the story of when Jesus tells his disciples to get into a boat and sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I think you know the story. As is common on the Sea of Galilee, a, a storm came up and the boat was being beaten around by the waves. And verse 25 says, and in the fourth watch of the night, wow, they were at it quite a while, uh, he came to them, that is Jesus, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. Well, they had never seen anyone walk on the water before. Have you? I never have. I think I may have had the same reaction as the disciples had. But then when Jesus spoke to them and they realized that it is was indeed Jesus, Peter, well, impetuous Peter, he decides that it would be safer out there on the water with Jesus than in the boat with the other disciples. And so he says to Jesus in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, 
command me to come to you on the water. Now, that was a huge leap of faith. Imagine jumping over the side of the boat in the middle of a storm, having never walked on the water before, having never seen anyone else walk on the water before. I mean, none of the other disciples followed him overboard. <laughs> but then once he got there out there on the water, he took a few steps that maybe he was thinking to himself, look at me, I'm walking on the water. Can you imagine? Almost like a baby taking his first steps. He's probably pretty proud of himself. I know I would be. In fact, so proud of himself that he took his eyes off of Jesus and realized what he was doing. And he felt the waves of the sea hitting him in the face. And he started to doubt. And he began to sink. And verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This wasn't a doubt in the sense of a lack of faith in Jesus, but I think he started to doubt his decision about jumping overboard. And he started looking at his own ability and he took his eyes of faith off of Jesus. And so doubt isn't a complete absence of faith. But it's a faith weighed down with the burden of unbelief, an unbelief that threatens to sink us. I like uh, how Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, that's why Jesus responded to doubters with gentleness and compassion. Like the man in Mark 9, when he found the disciples arguing with a group of people, and they told him in verse 17 and 18, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast him out, and they were not able. So the father turns to Jesus and says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now that's an interesting way to ask for help. But that's why Jesus said, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes and immediately the father of the child cried out, saying, I believe, help my unbelief. Again, his doubting wasn't a lack of faith. But as Hebrews says, his doubt was a weight that was keeping him from total belief in what Jesus could do. And Jesus gently rebuked him for his unbelief. He did the same thing with Thomas after the resurrection in John 20. Maybe you remember that story as well. The disciples came and told Thomas that they had seen the resurrected Jesus. But Jesus, but Thomas rather said, unless I see in his hands and mar the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, Jesus showed up while Thomas was present and he said, here, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
Look how gently he rebukes Thomas's doubts. How many of us are running with the weights of doubt? The longer we carry these doubt weights, the stronger their power over us will become. Now, some people will justify themselves by believing that having doubt is a more real and intellectual way to live life. Baloney. There's the danger that if we carry those doubts long enough, they'll get heavier and heavier to the point that we wonder if the whole race is worth it or is even real after all. If that's you, stop fooling around with them and drop them immediately. Now the question is, how, how do we do that? How do we, how do we drop our doubts? Well, let me give you some ideas. The first thing to do is to repent. You see, doubt has to be dealt with the same way as we deal with any other sin in our life. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, don't be content with just telling Jesus how you feel, but you need to actually repent. Call doubt out for what it really is. It's distrust in God. And repentance has an amazing power to break the spell of a sin weight. Another thing we can do is just believe. That's what Jesus said in Mark 1.15. He said to repent and believe. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, do not disbelieve, but believe. Believing is really a simpler thing than we sometimes make it out to be. It really comes down to believing in God's word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, believing is just laying aside our doubt and picking up belief, trusting him with all of our hearts. Now, maybe I can help you with your doubts by giving you a, a few practical suggestions. Number one, maybe begin soaking your heart in the Gospel of John. John chapter 20 and verse 31 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The whole book of John is about believing. That'd be a good place to start. Number two, it might help you to talk to a friend or your pastor or your spouse or a counselor about your doubts. Ask them to pray for you. You see, God designed us to be encouraged by the faith of others. And the only thing that keeps us from that encouragement is pride. Don't hide out of pride. I talk about my doubts with my wife all the time, and she's a great encouragement to me. A third thing that I find helpful and a real encouragement is to read some of the great biographies of people of faith. For example, like Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Go look for that book and buy it. It's a great book that describes Taylor's hour-by-hour hour trust in him, in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. Well, maybe read about some of the greats of faith in the Bible. Read about Abraham and his trust in God step-by-step. Step. Read about Moses, uh, about 
even Jonah and Noah, they're great encouragement. Don't allow your doubt to continue to impede your race. You see, Jesus died to free you from doubt, and he's available and ready to help you in the journey. Put your trust in him. Keep running with your eyes fixed on him. Thanks for listening today. I hope you join me again next week, and why don't you bring a friend along with you?